welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers, where Weaver professionals talk about business and accounting. We'll explore a wide variety of topics from tax law and accounting standard changes to managing cyber, fraud, financial, and operational risks. What do these issues mean to your business? Join us as we go beyond the numbers to find out. Welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers. I'm your host, Shelby Sparehawk. Today, I'm joined by Adam Jones, strategic governance consultant for Weaver and owner of Capital Jones, LLC. Today, we're discussing the importance of organizational capacity and basically how to assess that. Adam, welcome. Thanks, Shelby. It's always great to be here. We always enjoy talking to you because you are a wealth of knowledge And that knowledge is going to be about the assessment of organizational capacity. Now, uh, I I don't want to get too much into sounding like jargon here. So let's give just a a quick reference. What are we talking about when we say organizational capacity, like in plain terms? We're talking about an organization's ability to function. And by that, I mean how they deploy their resources, how they attack certain goals, how they organize their people, how they uh, leverage technology to get the job done. And it's always important for an organization to be reflective, not all the time, but at various moments. It always helps to take a broad look at what we're doing, if we're pulling in the right direction, if we're making the right decisions. And even though your bandwidth gets kind of compromised, when you have a big business disruption, and nobody's seen one quite like this, It's important to consider uh, what your organizational capacity is going forward. And there are um, some quick ways to sort of think about that. So you're right. We are in the middle of one of the biggest business disruptions that we've ever seen. So how is organizational capacity typically impacted by uh, a either planned for disruption or an unprecedented disruption like we're in right now? It's a a great question. When you do organizational assessments as a a third-party consultant, you typically look at three things. Uh, You look at a business's people, process, and technology, and they can all be disrupted to a certain extent. For example, right now, uh, it's as simple as people no longer being together. There are some companies that are great at remote work. Some companies have folks working at home all the time, but you still have a sort of a degradation in how people can communicate. Technology can take you only so far. Uh, The other thing you find is when your margin of error gets slim and you look at some of the process steps where business organization has put in place, some of them just aren't necessary. And in times of crisis, when you figure out ways to operate more efficiently or effectively, you think, why did we ever do that in the first place? Um, Technology is its own category. Technology can both be a cause of disruption when you have system failure or business continuity or when you get hacked, Uh, but technology is a pathway out of that. This podcast we're on now is happening in the middle of business disruption for Weaver. 
yet we're still able to get our message out, talk about some of the things we're good at, um, provide some expertise to the marketplace because we leverage technology. Well, you're right. We would typically be doing this in the studio, and, and now we are uh, recording this podcast from the, the comfort or distraction of our, our home office, and that's something that a lot of uh, businesses are, are now dealing with. The organizational assessment. I mean, this is a kind of a, it's a very systematic process. It's, it's a, uh, a way to kind of obtain this information about how healthy uh, a company is performing. And you mentioned those three key items, people, process, and technology. Where does the concept of those three, like why, why those three pillars? People, process, and technology are the fundamental building blocks of any organization. So there are a few fundamental questions. When I'm doing an organizational assessment for anybody, you know, the first thing I do is walk around and observe, which I, I'm not allowed to do right now. But setting that aside, it's very hard to fake functional. I mean, if you just walking the halls of an organization, you can tell if people like being there, if there's a buzz about the work. And it's really hard to hide dysfunction. So when you look at organizations and start with, with people, you the first question you always ask, do you have the right people doing the right things? And are they all pulling in the same direction? And it's amazing how, you know, that's a fundamental, simple question. It's amazing how often an organization can get out of alignment when they don't take the pulse of their people, when folks are unhappy in their role or unhappy in their, with their teammates. Um, and, and those people are, are performing work. Uh, and, and all work has process, and all those processes in this day and age are supported by technology. So there's kind of a, a loop between people, process, and technology, and uh, consultants sort of employ it as a shorthand when we look at organizations. Uh, and it's a, a very helpful framework to think about and put those three things in isolation, but also think about the interconnections between those three things. You're right. You mentioned having the right people. And of course, uh, that reminds me of, of the, the principle of having the right people on the bus. Uh, I know that we've talked about this before, that you need the right people in the right seats, uh, kind of all moving in the same correct direction. Uh, when it comes to understanding that, though, I, I mean, I guess in a perfect world, organizations would be very self-reflective and, and they would know their strengths and their weaknesses. and and whether they do have the right people on the right bus moving in the right direction, but you know, often they don't. They they don't. You know, you can't see the forest through the trees, and you just, you don't have the time or the bandwidth to be able to engage in that sort of honest self assessment. Can you speak to why that happens and why organizations aren't always very well poised to be the ones making those assessments? I, I think it almost always starts with some disconnect between leadership and management and line employees. Uh, the, the best organizations pay very careful attention to every part of their organizational chart. 
but you know, priorities get in the way. Um, leadership has to react to circumstances beyond sort of their normal course of business, and you can get out of alignment. What's interesting, if you go into an organization and you start interviewing the people who actually do the work, you get some insights and they will tell you about weaknesses in process or in resource allocation or on their supply line, or they will say they, they're always asking us to do this, but we don't understand the point. Um, and quite often in an interview, you ask somebody, well, why doesn't management know this? And you get answers like, well, they never ask us. Or you get, you know, everybody's favorite. Well, we've always just sort of done it this way. Or, or uh, you know, well, we're successful enough. It's, you know, it's not like we're a failing business. We're just, there are just some things we'd like to do differently. Um, and, and I don't want to be critical of, of management. Sometimes you just don't have the bandwidth to have those conversations. And when you do an organizational assessment, sitting down in an interview process or running focus groups of various sets of uh, employees across an organization can really give you some important insights about what the actual business is that sort of underlines an organization's performance. So you mentioned that a lot of this critical information comes from uh, interviews with both employees and management, and typically there is a disconnect between those two. I guess from a leader's standpoint, when you start to analyze your people, your employees, uh, in terms of the, the skill set, the knowledge, and the abilities that they have, that starts to sound like those feared consultants coming in, asking what I do and, and you know, whether or not I'm critical. And that really does make people nervous. So how do you do these very rigorous organizational assessments without the employees or others assuming that this is going to end in layoffs or some type of reduction of, south, of staff? Well, it's, it's a great question. And, and when you go deep into an organization, and actually do a knowledge, skills, and abilities assessment, or what we say in the trade, a KSA, you're, you're deeply getting into uh, both you know, measurables about employees, what degree do they have, what training do they have, how are they performing on the job, and you're talking about their motivations and um, really, really getting that handle on what kind of talent you have and how you're deploying that talent. And that's scary uh, because everybody goes back. Everybody at this point knows the movie Office Space, yes. right? And the two Bobs. What does it say you do here? Um, <laughs> that's that's parody, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly <laughs> but, right. but those, those conversations are, are really important. So if an organization engages in some sort of assessment, they have to be up front. And if that assessment is a strategy for a reduction in force or layoffs, they have to tell people that. Or the opposite, you have to say, look, nobody's getting fired. We are just trying to find better ways to improve our performance. We welcome your feedback. Um, 
And if you say that, you better welcome it. I, you know, you can't you can't be duplicitous when you start to assess all of your folks and their place in the organization and how those folks are going to be allocated. But if you do that in a spirit of collaboration and uh, consideration, and typically you do that with uh, with your own HR people involved, you can really get to a point where you uncover a lot of great stuff. Um, some of those things may be, we don't have enough talent in area X. Uh, we don't have enough database administrators. We don't have enough um, people in purchasing. Or you find out you have a lot of folks who'd be better off doing things that are more productive for the agency. Or sometimes you find out we're not even recruiting the right people. We have evolved as uh, an organization, but our folks haven't. And we're either, you either have a training deficit, we're not training folks the right way, or you don't have the right people anymore. And the best organizations are self-reflective and constantly evolving. Um, some organizations just get caught up in day-to-day and they don't think to look back and make sure that their people um, actually match what they're trying to accomplish. Of course, the same thing goes for their processes and the same thing goes for their technology. You, you just sort of get out of alignment sometimes. So you mentioned having an organization that is self-reflective. Uh, what are some of the key questions that you think leaders should be asking about their organizations, either of um, of their management team or of the, the team members themselves? Well, you've already asked a great one, Shelby, and that is, do we have the right people on the bus, right? Are the right people in the right jobs doing the right things? But it you know, it goes deeper than that. When you look at processes, are our business processes aligned to the results we want? Do we actually have measurable goals around them? Has anybody actually looked at the way we describe a process and the way that process is actually being completed? The, the, the other question is around technology. Is technology a help? Um, to our folks, or is it an entrance to our folks? Are we really making their jobs easier every time uh, we throw out a technology improvement at them? And, you know, just asking those questions as you move through the business cycle is really important to do. Another uh, part of an organizational assessment is looking at the process. And I know that you're a a big proponent of business process mapping. Uh, could you talk about why it's so important in an assessment of organization? When you undertake a business process mapping exercise, you're really charting each stop, each step in a business process. You're charting it. It's like a, a large if-then exercise. Here's point A, here's point B, here's point C. If at point C you have a decision point, if it's yes, you go here. If it's no, you go here. You know, these sort of flowcharts have launched a thousand memes, right? <laughs> but what's interesting is not just putting together charts, but when you interview folks, 
and you look at, say, a company's policies and procedures manual, and you chart a process according to that, and then you ask people how the process is actually implemented, you start to get to a disconnect. Uh, their organizations, this happens in government a lot, by the way, and I have a government background. <laughs> the organizations that will get to processes that are on the books that their people just completely ignore. And they'll tell you, and why do you do that? It's not necessary, right? Um, all over the country right now, during our, our current situation, there are both governments and businesses that are waiving regulations. They're figuring out what is the most efficient way to help us out of our current um, situation. And those may be business processes. Those may be for um, first responders. It may be licensing. There, there's a couple of good ones in Texas. One is um, our governor uh, now allows uh, alcoholic beverages to go. Which has been the hallelujah of people stuck in house. Which has been, yeah, which has been hugely popular, right? Um, You know, it's kind of it's very on brand for Texas. We we get to go margaritas (laughs) to survive the COVID nineteen crisis, and that's that's sort of funny. And it's a and it's basically a waiver of an old alcoholic beverage regulation that may or may not be necessary going forward. But there's some serious pieces of business process, too. Uh, That same week, Governor Abbott waived certain regulations about uh, paying medicine prescriptions over telemedicine. When you get to the end of this, it will be funny to see what was necessary and what was not. And we'll see that in broad swaths as far as state and local regulation. But businesses are going to discover that, too, because when their margin of error decreases, when their margin of revenue decreases and they start thinking about, well, how can we pare down? What do we do now that we don't need to do? I think what what the fallout will be are a lot of organizations will find out, my gosh, we do a lot of stuff we really didn't need to do. And when we pared down to what was absolutely essential, um, I, I think it's sort of a deregulatory time and we're going to find more streamlined process at the end of it. I think that's a fascinating look at how our world will change. Uh, the government's going to change. Our businesses are going to change. Uh, we as individuals are going to change how we do and think about things. And you're right. This is almost a, a crisis uh, process map to show, okay, when we strip down what's absolutely necessary and what the most efficient way to do things uh, while still uh, taking all of the, the necessary steps for you know precautions and, and QA and those sorts of things. Yeah, I think it is really interesting how this is going to uh, change a lot of outlooks. I'm curious though, how, well, you've warned about and maybe this is related to it or not, but you weren't about making short-term decisions that would impact long-term value. Uh, does that come into play with this? It does, because when people are under stress, and I think, Shelby, everybody's under stress right now, um, 
you you don't want panic to set in. So I want folks to take an objective look at their organizational capacity. What you want organizations to do is to make thoughtful and deliberate decisions. And that's sort of hard when you're under stress. And for some people, it's very hard when you're under stress. So these are in survival mode. Organizations are in survival mode. And they are going to make some short-term decisions. But you want a little balance as you consider uh, maybe how you reduce your your staff or you consider how you maybe see some processes. I think people need to be less in the long run and the economy starts again. You're going to have pent-up demand. You're going to have new expectations. You're going to have new ideas of how an organization, the government should operate. And when I say you don't want short-term decisions to uh, to harm your long-term value, that's what I mean. Decisions made in survival mode are just that. You have to do what's right to keep your organization afloat. But that doesn't mean, Shelby, that you can't make those decisions thoughtfully and deliberately and with an overall reflection of where your organization is and where your organization might be five or six months ago. So we we want to be fast and we want to be calm. And you can balance those things when you think about some of the tools we employ in organizational assessment, whether that's business process mapping, whether that's a consideration of the knowledge, skills, abilities of your people, whether that's analyses like, you know, the the old SWAT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. People need to be deliberative in the short term so they don't harm themselves in the long term. So as we start to look at um, these organizational assessments, what's the benefit or uh, the difference between having these discussions, uh, assessing your capability and, and your, your capacity in-house versus hiring an objective third-party consultant to do this? I mean, I guess it's hard to say definitively, but is one approach better than another? It depends on where you are. There's some organizations that build in great feedback loops. They build in great systems of uh, key performance indicators. They're very good at communicating with those people. And in times of business disruptions, uh, organizations that, that deploy folks in-house to consider the needs of their employees, of their business, of their technology, are really performing organizational assessment all the time. And those that's kind of built in. And if you have an organization that has a commitment to that, if you have an organization that's willing to learn and reflect and has highly... Um, robust communication structures, then going it alone is a good idea. If your organization is out of alignment, as I mentioned earlier, if you have folks who, who are not happy, if, the, if you don't like the energy your organization is displaying, or if your results are starting to grade, I think it's always smart to look for an objective opinion, to find some eyes that, as you, as you noted earlier, aren't aren't in the middle of the trees, but can take a broader view and have conversations that you may not have thought of. And that's really the value of an outside consultant. 
in any arena, uh, it becomes very relevant uh, when you want somebody to take an, an honest look at an organization that may be in trouble, or even one that's just not performing the way they want to perform. Well, fantastic insight uh, from you today, Adam. Really do appreciate it. If uh, I guess you were to end things by uh, giving just basically what you want to make sure that people understand about an organizational assessment, what would you say? And also, uh, how can people find more information about it? If I was leaders, one thing, it's that an organization should embrace the conversation. They should embrace the opportunity to take a look at their people and process and technology and, and be excited about it. We talked earlier about it can be intimidating, it can be scary, but it really is uh, vitally important to be reflective and to be thoughtful about where your organization is. And, and that's one of the great parts of the job I do and the opportunity you get to work with uh, and consult with organizations. Um, I always welcome continuing this conversation. You can find me, uh, Adam Jones, at LinkedIn. Weaver uh, runs a fantastic resource called our Resilience and Recovery Resource Center. So I would encourage your listeners to visit us at weaver.com and the Resilience and Recovery Resources are right up front. Um, hit me up on Twitter at Capital Jones or Weaver is at Weaver CPAs. We always love having another great conversation. Thanks so much for having me, Shelby. Of course. Thank you, Adam. And listeners, if you like today's podcast and would like to tune in for more insights on financial and business trends, regulations, best practices, and really just the issues that keep CFOs and CEOs and other professionals up at night, subscribe to Weaver Beyond the Numbers on Apple or Spotify. Weaver, accounting for more than numbers. Until next time, I'm Shelby Skirhoff.